0: Wow. I have always wanted to do that. And you know what? I am a lot younger on that side and I have hair. You're going to love it over there. It's amazing. If you were here with us last Sunday, we sort of leaned into the wardrobe to see if we could hear anything. And sure enough, Yeah, all of them on the other side are saying a couple things. They're saying, nobody dies and goes nowhere. That's one thing everyone on the other side would want you to know today. Nobody dies and goes nowhere. The other thing that we're hearing through the vehicle of this wardrobe is that Jesus is the key. Amen. You got that last weekend. He is the one and only key to there being any hope whatsoever of getting out of here and landing on the shores of something so much better and eternal. And then thirdly, well, if we were to listen this morning, we would also hear this. We would hear some trumpet rehearsals on the other side. For that trumpet is about to blow, church. And I want to show you that this morning. So if you have a Bible handy, why don't you grab it with me? And since we're wrapping up this year of 2022, I thought that it would only be appropriate for us once again to find a passage such as this. How about 2 Samuel chapter 22? Second Samuel chapter twenty two, our ushers are here in the aisles, working the rows. If you need a copy of God's word, if you don't have one of your own. Merry Christmas, our gift to you from Horizon. I've always wanted to do that, and I guess a bad rumor online, probably in 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 the chance of being circulated, is that yeah, your pastor came out of the closet this morning. <laughs> bad rumor. Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this series, for this season, uh, for this time together now, Lord, for us to, um, to lean in and to listen, to listen, Lord, together to what you would want to say, what you would want to declare, even of what's taking place there in heaven in preparation for us to spend eternity with you, Lord. We pray even now in these next few moments that your spirit would stir our hearts, uh, that you would confirm some things to us, you would show us some things maybe that we've never seen in terms of how this whole trumpet horn of salvation ties in to the greatest story of all, the story that our, our Savior has stepped out of heaven and into this world to save us from our sins. And so give us now, Lord, give us ears to hear and uh, a heart of faith uh, to receive and then apply and obey uh, the very truths that will be spoken in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen, amen. Well, this has been fun. We're actually celebrating uh, Narnia Week over at Horizon Prep, and so that's been a pretty incredible uh, sequence, and they're wanting to borrow the wardrobe, and I'm like, wait, wait, we're not quite done with it yet here in our weekend services. Who knows, who knows, church, who's going to come out of it next? (laughs) Well, let me show you this. Here is the words of David. Uh, in 2 Samuel chapter 22, and I think Lewis must have had all of this in mind uh, when he penned the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, and these epic examples of the role that trumpets would play so that he would deem it appropriate for Susan to be given the horn of Narnia, that she could, she could sound that horn in her time of need, and so can we, because here's what it means. Look at verse 1 and David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, "The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. The Lord is my rock, My fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength in whom I will trust. Let's put that on our currency. Let's keep that front and center. The God of my strength in whom I will trust, my shield. Look at this my shield and the horn of my salvation my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence and I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Merry Christmas. There's, there's Christmas right there in a nutshell. There it is. And the word horn, well, well, horn can mean a whole lot of different things in scripture. Horn can mean Horn. Horn can mean source, he means of it here, David, that this is the source of my salvation, the horn of my salvation. My strength is in the Lord and what God has provided. This is the miracle of Christmas. Sometimes the use of the word horn means all the above. Horn means horn, horn means source, horn means strength, it is the Provision of the salvation that we praise God for this morning. But this horn, historically throughout Scripture, was used in so many different circumstances. The first one for me that comes to mind is that trumpet that would blow in the Battle of Jericho. Do you remember that one? In Joshua, here you have an, an army that is gathered together, that now for six days has gone around in circles. And, 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 and those who preceded them were too afraid and, and, and freaked out. You remember the spies? You remember the spies that had gone into the promised land? And they come back and they give a report. And they're all like, no way you should see the size of the giants in that land. You should see the size of the clusters of grapes. You should see the way their city walls are fortified. And only two, Joshua and Caleb had the faith to believe that God was big enough for the challenge. And so that whole generation has to die off. And now Joshua would lead this new generation. And for six days, they have been circling around the fortified city walls of Jericho. And on the seventh day, look at this. In Joshua chapter 6, it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And so here, the horn that you've been given this morning, the horn for you to take home with you today, like the key last weekend, the horn today to find a spot on your tree or on your mantle, just to remind you that he is both the key and the horn. It would be the horn that would lead them into battle. And when they heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted with a great shout. It wasn't like a little golf clap. It was the shout of shouts. They had been holding it in for six days. And now on the seventh day, they've gone around six times. And now on the seventh time around on the seventh day, they shout this great shout and the wall fell down flat. And the people went up into that city. Every man straight before him. I love that picture. It's not like wavering to the left or to the straight before them. And they took that city. And it was the horn of salvation that would lead them in. It was the sound of the battle cry that the trumpet provided. It was always a prelude, wasn't it? Whenever the trumpet would sound, it's like an alarm clock. It was like a prelude. And in particular, where Jericho was concerned, it was a prelude to judgment. And it doesn't just show up and and show off and become the lead instrument in the band of the army that would then follow in victory. It shows up also for Gideon. Remember that? Just like one book up from Joshua, you get to the book of Judges in chapter 7, and he's thinking that he would need a, a much bigger army to take on the Midianites. And the Lord's like, you got me. We got this. And he takes his 300 and divides them into three companies of 100. And they blew the trumpets. And they broke the pitchers. Look at, look at how specific it is. They held the torches in their left hands and the trumpet in the right hands for blowing. And they cried, the sword of the Lord. So the trumpets are blaring, these 300 trumpets. The pitchers are broken, and, 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 and light overwhelms the darkness. And in all one accord of unison, they cry out, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place around the camp, and the whole army ran, Judges 7 tells us. They ran, they cried out, and they so many beautiful pictures of a of a of a call to a contest of a call to battle maybe of a of a coronation of a, of a of a royal coronation the trumpet would play a pivotal role both in a battle call to a contest to a royal coronation or to the celebration of a of a of a, of a victory. When you get to Second Chronicles chapter 7, there's an amazing verse here that says that the priests attended to their services. And that would be lengthy. To some extent, they'd be cleaning up from the previous service like we did this morning. They'd be serving gingerbread ice cream sandwiches like we did this morning they'd be helping people with umbrellas in from the rain like we did this morning they'd be setting up communion like we did last weekend they would be attending to their services they would be slaughtering a lamb or receiving turtle doves as an offering all of these services the priests were involved with the Levites but also this they had learned to play They had learned to play the instruments that David had made to praise the Lord, saying, for his mercy endures forever. And whenever David offered praise, look at this, whether they were serving ice cream sandwiches, they were working in the coffee bar, they were helping in the parking lot, they were setting up for the service, they were cleaning the bathrooms, whenever David would offer praise, everything stopped. and The priests would sound the trumpets while all of Israel stood. And what that means is that the trumpet is what brought people to a place of undivided attention. It was a call to the contest of a battle. Bring bring it on, here is the call of Gideon and his 300 who have been found faithful. Bring it on, the sword of the Lord. The trumpet of our salvation. The the light of the world that overtakes the darkness. And the army of the enemies, like the darkness, has no choice in the matter. It must flee. It was always this. And we just saw it recently in our own lives as the Lord in his grace and mercy would call Queen Elizabeth home to heaven and then throughout the kingdom, from the northern hamlets and villages of Scotland into Wales, across the UK and over to Ireland, the trumpets would begin to play. And the announcement of a new king. It was a signal. It was a summons. It was an announcement. It was, a, it, was a, it was a warning. It was a sign. It was an indicator that it's time It's time to get ready. Let's go. Like if you could lean in, that's what's happening. That's what's going on. That's, yeah. Oh, some trumpet rehearsals are taking place in heaven. What I find fascinating is this signal, this warning, this summons, this announcement also ties into the fulfillment prophetically of the meaning and the purpose of Christmas. Oh, there'd be so many stories of how the horns would show up and the trumpets would play. In First Chronicles, for example, in 1 Chronicles chapter 13, David, I love this, and all of Israel played music before God with all their might. Look at, with singing and with harps, with stringed instruments, with tambourines. Look at this, look at, look at, look at. And with trumpets. What I love about that verse is they didn't do it half-heartedly. They didn't just show up and listen to Carson sing. David and all of Israel played music before God with all their might. What's that mean, Horizon? What's that mean to you this morning? Because they didn't hold back. When's the last time you blared it out? There'd be a bit of homework for you right there. How about that? Anyone want to take on the challenge from PB this morning? How about it? Like over the course of the next 24 hours, what if your neighbors actually had to come over? And ask you, what was going on? Because you are playing before the Lord with all your might. Love the Lord, your God, with all your soul, with all your strength. Come on. And with all your might. They sang it on harps and stringed instruments and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. They didn't hold back. They sang with all their might. I love it. Not everybody does. I get it. And yet if we don't heed the warning of Scripture, if we don't hear the signal or wake up to the wake-up call of the indicator of the summons of the announcement that the trumpet is meant to provide... Oh, here's a word of warning. Do you know what it says in Ezekiel? In Ezekiel chapter 33, this is in the Bible. Whoever hears the sound of the trumpet... And does not take warning? I think I would rather just ignore that homework challenge. I think I'll just sleep through it on this rainy Sunday morning. He whoever does not take the warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. It's like the Bible saying, wake up. To what the Lord is declaring to be so and that's just about to happen. The trumpet rehearsals are going on in heaven even as we speak. His blood will be on his own head for he heard the trumpet, he heard the sound but he blew it off. He did not take warning. It was was sort of like, let's let's just close that. It's too loud. That that is obnoxious. He didn't take warning, but he who takes warning will deliver his soul. And so you kind of find yourself in the predicament of just kind of going along with with the majority of life that is very lukewarm and passe towards all of these things, or becoming on fire, you know, about it all. And ultimately, Jesus would write to the church and say, yeah, I would rather you choose, like, either be hot or cold. Because this lukewarm thing, he ultimately writes and says... I'm going to spew that out of my mouth. And it's sort of the demarcation you see in the life of David again, recorded for us in 1 Chronicles. Here he is leading the parade and welcoming the Ark of the Covenant home. It's, 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 it's been kidnapped. It's, it, it's been under attack. It's been living over in the temple of the Philistines. It's been sitting in someone's yard for who knows how long and finally they have recaptured the ark and he's bringing it back to Jerusalem. It's it's been over there in Gaza. It's been in the temple of Dagon. Dagon, the fish god of the Philistines to which every morning Dagon had fallen on its face in front of the ark of the covenant, right? It's where we get the phrase Dagon. Dagon. And here, finally, the Philistines are like, We thought this box, we thought this ark, we, we thought this cabinet, we thought this container would sort of bring us the victory, but it's brought us nothing but grief. And David finally is able to recapture that ark, that container, that cabinet that represented the very presence and power and promises. Of God himself and he's bringing it back to Jerusalem and as he brought the ark of the covenant back he brought it back with shouting and with the sound of the horn look at this with the sound of the horn and with trumpets so you have the shofar the horn and the trumpets both blaring along with the cymbals, making music with stringed instruments and harps. And it happened that as the ark came to the city of David, that Michael, this is David's wife, Michael, Saul's daughter. This is who he won in battle when he defeated Goliath. She's looking out her window from a distance. She's she's watching this whole thing go down. She looked through a window and saw her husband, King David, whirling whirling church so they're not just playing the music loudly here's the homework with all their might they're whirling when's the last time you gave God a good whirl huh she saw him whirling playing music and she despised him In her sophisticated, intellectually successful North County heart. She wanted nothing to do with it. She despised her husband. And and David, then in that passage, would declare to his wife, You ain't seen nothing yet. I'll be even more undignified, David declares. I'm not gonna hold back. It's as if David had seen the greatest Christmas movie of all all times, that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear and throwing in a good whirl, (laughs) right? I'm singing, I'm singing, right? Don't you love that? Let's just watch it. Come on, let's watch it together. So, you got this image, don't you, of Michael trying to shut the whole parade down? And I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you something this morning. I'm telling you this. It's exactly why we're still here and not in heaven this Christmas, which would actually be much better and glorious. But we're here. And we're here on a mission to give him praise with all our might not be the ones that somehow become so Michael Scrooge-like that they despise what all of this ultimately is meant to provide. When you get to the book of Revelation, there are some trumpets waiting for you. Just in case you hadn't noticed, there's seven trumpet judgments it's as if he is saying, I, "I, I, I want you to get with the program here, because ultimately, if we're not, we will be the ones left behind to then somehow live a life of endurance through seven trumpet judgments. The first one to which hits the vegetation, and it hits it hard. Secondly, all of the seas." are destroyed through the sound of the second trumpet judgment. And then all of the fresh water, thirdly, is hit. And, and then things begin to fall out of the sky where the next trumpet judgment is concerned. And, 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 and that only to be followed by some crazy locusts that John describes that are coming up out of the bottomless when that fifth trumpet judgment begins to blare and then as crazy as it sounds over in the river Euphrates sort of where civilization on this planet ultimately began we circle back to the very beginning and something is cut loose and breaks forth out of that river Euphrates when the sixth trumpet judgment is blown leaving one last, seventh, and final trumpet judgment of God. And what's declared for us in Revelation chapter 11 is that when the seventh angel sounds the trumpet, there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world, take this to heart, Michael, up there in your window of a kingdom palace, the kingdoms of this world, in other words, all of them, have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Amen. Can you give him praise this morning, church? That's going to happen at the sound of the seventh trumpet as Handel's Messiah would bring Revelation chapter 11 to life. You know what? Back to Judges for a second. When Gideon chases that army, we're specifically told that he chases them, I mean, out of town and down the valley and as far as the Jordan River. And, 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 and then you would almost think it to be somewhat I don't know, ironic, or needless, or coincidental, like, like why does he become so specific as to say, not only does he chase the enemy out of town, and down the valley, and all the way to the river, but he then drops a pin, and says that he chases them as far as Beth Barah. Have you ever found a verse that you're sort of reading, and you're like, okay, but why? Why so much detail? Why so much specific info that he would actually go to the extent of saying he not only chased them out of town but down the road and into the valley and to the river and yeah, bam to a spot on the river known as Bethbara. You know why? because that's exactly where another trumpet would sound, right there on that spot, where another crowd would gather to hear something so incredibly remarkable revealed. Can I show you? In fact, this is where it ties into Christmas. So turn with me to Luke chapter one, because here declared for us in the beginnings of the Christmas story is the fulfillment of David's words to us in 2 Samuel chapter 22. Nothing coincidental about it. The fulfillment of all that David promised the Lord to step out of heaven and into this world to provide is what now the father of John the Baptist prophetically would declare as the Holy Spirit comes on his life. Do you remember when the angel shows up and says, hey, Zach, guess what? Your wife Elizabeth's pregnant. He's like, no way, way too old. Doesn't believe it. Is filled with doubt so that the angel buttons his tongue to the top of his mouth. And the guy doesn't speak a word for nine months. He doesn't say a thing. While Elizabeth now... In all of her barrenness, which incidentally is how Michael, David's wife, remains for the rest of her days. Hello, you reap what you sow. And here in all of the barrenness that has led Elizabeth to this moment, the angel now finds them and and, and declares, you're going to have a kid. And guess what? Mary is too. And Elizabeth's like, crazy story because I'm too old and Mary's not even married and here Zacharias has so much time connecting the dots that he doesn't say a word for nine months and then finally utters this look at verse 67 Luke 1 verse 67 you got it say got it look at this and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied saying blessed is the Lord God of Israel For he has visited and redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us. Gang, I don't know if you've ever seen it. I don't know if you've ever tied this element into the Christmas message, but Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, is the horn of salvation. He has raised up a a horn of self to lead us into battle and to provide for us miraculously the victory. He is the one that deserves the royal coronation. He is the one that we celebrate for the victory that he has accomplished on our behalf. He He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. He has spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember In his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. That means don't hold back with all your might. In holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Then he speaks over John this miracle baby born to him and his wife Elizabeth and says, and you child will be called the prophet of the highest and you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways and to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us. That's sort of like just a little glimmer of light where we'll get to next weekend together. Just sort of like the pictures in Gideon's day that are cracked in the candle of light pierces the darkness. It is the day spring, the bright and morning star, the star. Of Bethlehem, the dayspring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And so the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the desert till the day of his manifestation to Israel. Again, don't miss verse 80. Don't like sort of blow that off and think, well, again, that's just conjecture. That's just some added unnecessary information. No, that is dropping the pin that connects to what Gideon has declared that the enemy was chased out of town and down the valley and to the river to the pin dropped at the point called Bethbara. This is where John would preach. This is where the horn of our salvation would be introduced to a lost and sinful and fallen world. This is where John would baptize his cousin. not that amazing? The horn of our salvation, the fulfillment of David's words in 2 Samuel, the culminating completion of all that this trumpet sound represents. But but I would say in full agreement, there is more to be said about the sound of the horn where the next advent is concerned than the one that took place 2,000 years ago. But I wanted you to see that it's included in that Christmas story as well. It's included in all the stories. That ultimately, Jesus Christ fulfills all of the prophecies that point us to him. Take the feasts of the Lord. The calendar revolves around the feasts of the Lord. Whether you're on our own calendar or certainly the Jewish calendar, you have seven feasts of the Lord, all to be fulfilled and completed in Jesus Christ. you know what they are? These seven feasts of the Lord would include the feast of Passover, the feast of unleavened bread, the feast of firstfruits, the feast of Pentecost, the feast of trumpets, the feast of atonement, and the feast of tabernacles, all to which will be fulfilled in their completeness. In Jesus Christ. In fact, many on the list already have, right? He fulfilled the Feast of Passover. He stood before his disciples and said, It's exactly what John the Baptist would declare from the Jordan River Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He came to complete and fulfill the feast of Passover. Going all the way back into the book of Exodus, the Israelites, under bondage to Pharaoh, were told to choose for themselves an unblemished lamb on the 10th day of the month, on the 10th of Nisan, which incidentally, is exactly the day, if you fast forward, to when Israel declared Jesus Christ to be king. They only did that one time. On one day, it happened to be the 10th day of Nisan, when the crowd on Palm Sunday declared, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna, Hosanna, they cried out, and he fulfilled the feast of Passover. And a few days later, he took our place on the cross and fulfilled the feast of unleavened bread. Do you know that when matzah, unleavened bread, is made, it's made with stripes in it. There are literal stripes in the unleavened bread, and then it is punctured with holes. That by his stripes, we are healed. That he has been bruised for our iniquity, and when he took your place on the cross, when he took my place on the cross, he fulfilled and completed in his own body both the feast of Passover and the feast of unleavened bread. Three days later on the Jewish calendar is the feast of firstfruits that he happened to fulfill In its completeness, when he rose again from the dead, he was the first fruits of the resurrection. And then literally to the day, not a day early and not a day late, 50 days past Easter Sunday is Pentecost when the Holy Spirit descended upon the disciples and all those who waited in prayer and faith in the upper room like tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit descended upon them and the church was born and Jesus Christ by his Spirit fulfilled and completed the Feast of Pentecost. So you can check those and say, that's done, that's done, that's done, Pentecost is done. And, 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 and then on the calendar, you would enter into this season known as the harvest. And that's the season that we're in right now. The summer harvest. In fact, Jesus would say, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. Because the fields are white, unto harvest and when the harvest season was complete it was completed get this by the sound of the trumpet and all the people would stop in their harvesting and be gathered together to worship the Lord with all their might. That's the next thing to happen on the prophetic calendar is the harvest season is going to come to a completion and the trumpet's going to sound and we're going to be gathered to meet the Lord in the air. We call it the rapture and that will be followed with the second coming of Jesus Christ when he will complete and fulfill the feast of atonement for he has taken our place and they will look upon the one who returns and realize that he's the one that they crucified. It's sort of like when Joseph takes off all of his Egyptian garb and says to his Brothers, guys, it's me. The Lord will return and we, his saints, will return with him. And all of the world will realize who he is. And then for a thousand years, we call it the millennium. He will tabernacle with us here on earth and everything will be made perfect the way it was always intended to be church, and the lion will lay down with the lamb, and he will reign forever and ever. They will all be fulfilled. in Jesus' name. I find it amazing that Lewis would choose to give Susan a horn as it has inspired us as a staff and a church to give you a horn this morning. A horn that Susan would be able to sound in her time of need that we can too, for Christ is not only the key. And I loved how Dr. Carol described it at the women's tea this last week, that as she was describing with all of her medical expertise, What cancer looks like to the body is what sin looks like to our eternal soul. She's like, yeah, in all of those paintings of Noah's ark, where are the countless millions of people that are drowning? For there was only one door onto that ark. As big as that ark was, like longer than a football field, including both end zones, the ark is longer. So if you're like at the five-yard line watching your game this afternoon, and you needed to go all the way down to the other field where the ark was concerned, it was even longer than the football field, but there was only one door to get in, and Jesus is that door. Jesus is that key, and Jesus is also that horn. I don't want to hand you a horn this morning with you leaving here thinking you're the horn. You're not the horn any more than you're the key from last weekend. Jesus is the key. We're not to be the horn, we're to live for the sound of the horn. Tonight when The Chosen airs its first episode from the third series, there's an amazing scene of John the Baptist being in prison and they come to visit him and he's like, guys, relax, don't worry about me, I'm fine. Tell me what the teacher is saying. And they began to give him an update of all the things that he had just preached in the Sermon on the Mount. And John looks at him and says... That sounds like him. This beautiful picture, this incredible image, and, and, and I would hope and pray that you'd get excited about us hosting Dallas Jenkins next month, the writer and producer and director of The Chosen. I guess you would actually have to say Jesus is the writer. But here, all of it being fulfilled, Jesus upon giving that amazing Sermon on the Mount, would then turn to his disciples when they had gone to church together. And again, given the dichotomy between those who get it and those who don't. Like those who get it, like David, who just uninhibitedly gave God the glory that he deserves. And then the ones like Michael, who just looked from a distance Too sophisticated to come down and join the party. Jesus, in going to church with the disciples on that day, looked at, looked down and said, "Don't be like these. Don't be like these hypocrites. That when they give their charitable deeds, they blow a trumpet." and want everybody to see what they've just given and what they've just done. He's like, no, no, no. When when you give your year-end gift, when you give your charitable deeds, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That ultimately, we're not to be the horn. We're to live our lives expectantly for the sound of that horn. For Paul would declare in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Such a great verse for our nursery. (laughs) They'll not all sleep, but they'll all be changed. In a moment in the twinkling of an eye. It'll be over before you know it. If you're waiting to hear it, you've waited too long at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Yeah, the trumpet, it's not in here. It's in heaven and it's about to be blown. For the Lord himself, according to First Thessalonians, will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. That's where it is. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. There is the feast of trumpets. There is the rapture to, to, to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we will always... Church, we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Can you just give him praise? Can you thank the Lord for his goodness this morning? Let's all stand together. Let's stand. I just want to give you a chance to just get working on that homework even before we dismiss. Let's just sing this song out with the band and let's just sing it out. With all our might, let's give him glory. Let's be the ones in town this week who know the best way to spread this Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear.